everyone, and welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with Rachel Santizo. Hello, Rachel. You're looking lovely today. Thank you. And every, every, we start out each of these podcasts with talking about Rachel's attire, and <laughs> namely her, her t-shirt, because you can't see the rest of her. So, and her t-shirt, t-shirt always has a message. So what is, what is it today? So today it's together and it's just all of us coming together, regardless of your race. It's just, we're all one. And so that's what I'm not today. Pretty appropriate, uh, especially with the recent news. You probably, I don't, you don't follow sports that much, do you? But there was a controversy over the Jazz second game with the Memphis Grizzlies that some some fans, some Utah fans were accused of harassing the parents of one of the black players on the Memphis Grizzlies team. And they've been asked not to come back to Jazz games indefinitely. And, And the team has apologized and uh, you know, it's just, it's sort of embarrassing, you know, for, for, for Salt Lake City fans to do something like that. Yeah, that makes me sad because I live here and that's inappropriate. So I'm glad that they were banned. I think that's, I think that's right. Yeah. So that's a, that's an appropriate t-shirt. And if any of you would like to have Rachel model your t-shirt, if you have a message, not a commercial message, like buy our coffee or something like that, but it, it, you can send them to uh, just look up uh, Odyssey House's address on odysseyhouse.org, which is our which is our website. This is one of the most listened to podcasts about addiction and recovery, and you can catch us. Obviously, if you're catching us now, you know, but you can catch us on YouTube. You can watch, or you can listen on iHeart, uh, Spotify iTunes, uh, any, and, and we'd ask you to subscribe if you could, because then we have a record of how many people are listening or watching, right? Absolutely. So, and you promise to wear their t-shirts if, if they send them in. If yeah, I would, yeah, I would love to wear your t-shirts. As long as you're good people promoting good messages, please send them in. I would love to wear them. Size small. Small? I was, yeah. I was just gonna ask what size. All right, who do we have as a guest today? Oh, I'm so excited. Today we have Ramsey Bryan. And if I could describe this gentleman, he is the most consistent man that I know. So consistent that you can find him every Saturday. There's not a Saturday I've not found him with coffee and bananas. He is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm serious. Ramsey, and she, come on down, Ramsey, while she's describing how great you are. There Yo, <laughs> were you laughing? Well, I heard you in the background. <laughs> hey, how's it going? You, you've got to explain that, Rachel. You say a consistent man with coffee and bananas every Saturday. Elaborate. Well, Ramsey, go ahead. Please, please tell him what I'm uh, talking about. Well, well, I, I kind of have a coffee problem and a banana. Well, so. I show up with coffee in the morning because it kind of helps me get me going. And then uh, I bring bananas as well, uh, typically for everybody. So after our first workout, in between uh, the first workout and boot camp, we, uh, we have some bananas and we bond over bananas. So, you know, it's the power of the banana. Bond over bananas. I like that. It's good alliteration. And, and we, should, we should let people know that you guys are talking about going to fit to recover for people who don't know, it's you. It's Utah's only sober gym. 
uh, and and it's a big gathering spot for people in recovery. So that makes a little more sense as opposed to just gathering with bananas and coffee on Saturday, right? It works though. <laughs> and when you say consistent, what do you mean by that, Rach? Oh, this man. So can I tell him a little bit about us, Ramsey? Yeah, for sure. So I actually, I had the honor of picking Ramsey up from jail. I transported Ramsey from jail into Odyssey House. And from that moment, that transportation, I have never not seen him. He's been consistent in treatment. He's graduated Odyssey. He's shown up every Saturday at FTR. This man is so consistent. And he also, he helped me with a school project. And he also is one of the best dads that I've ever met. And so he can describe that stuff, you know, throughout his story, but that's what I mean. He doesn't stop showing up. He's even showing up today on the screen. Like I, if I need something in my life, I know I can count on Ramsey. And, and for those of you who are watching, who may not have had a, an addiction issue, Rachel and I are both in recovery as is Ramsey and, and consistency is one of the, is one of the keys to the, a long-term recovery. I mean, you know, sticking with a plan, doing many of the same things every day, and, and just just being consistent with life. Uh, it really it really helps with sobriety. So, Ramsey, uh, tell us a little bit about your your story. Uh, well, obviously, I'm Ramsey Ramsey Bryan. Um, I'm how old am I? I'm forty something. I don't know somewhere around there, but. Uh, yeah, uh, like Rachel said, uh, she picked me up from jail. Um, I was homeless out on the streets uh, for about four years after I got divorced. And um, I just kind of fell off, you know, to the point that I was literally homeless, lost everything, my marriage, my house, business, all that stuff. And uh, I had to, you know, Get taken to jail kicking and screaming i didn't want to go but uh i needed to go and uh, i spent you know a few months in jail four months four or five months in jail and then uh got accepted into odyssey house and uh, rachel picked me up and took me to odyssey house and that's where i spent the next year and a half yeah about a year and a half from when i went in until i graduated um through the adult house downtown and uh, at the same time doing drug court. So I actually uh, graduated Odyssey, Odyssey House and drug court at the same time. And uh, basically had to start life over again as a, you know, 40, I don't know, 41 year old and- uh, 40 something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and here I am, let's see. So October, Halloween this year will be my fourth year of sobriety. Wow. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been, I want to say it's been a long road, but it's gone so quick. Uh, it's, it's gone very quick. But uh, I mean, here I am. I have a good job. I've, you know, two kids. I have a, you know, I have a good life right now. I can't complain. And you owe so being on the streets. You come from Rio Grande. That's the place that you called home. And you were a part of Operation Rio Grande. I remember you speaking. And so, can you let us know how what Operation Rio Grande is and how that saved your life? Yeah, so the Operation Rio Grande, um, yeah, basically the, uh, I guess the city, the county, state got sick of it because it was pretty much an open-air drug market, literally right downtown. I mean, pretty much south of the gateway, you know, within about a four-block area, Pioneer Park, that whole area down there was just, uh, it, was, it was madness. And uh, that's where, I mean, there in North Temple, 
uh, over by the fairgrounds where we hung out and it was uh it was crazy <clears throat> i mean it was literally just a couple thousand drug addicts just running amok and uh yeah, we were out there for four years and then the state clamped down or the city, county, whatever, clamped down and uh, said enough is enough. And uh, they rounded everybody up. They didn't get me at first. Like they went through and uh, arrested a whole bunch of people, offered them treatment. But we were pretty savvy on the streets. You know, we knew they were coming. You know, they did their thing. We uh, we hid out from them for a while and then eventually it just got caught up. I got arrested down at the, um, oh, the park just south of uh, uh, 7-Eleven on North Temple and uh, went to jail and was offered treatment uh, or jail time. And I took, I, you know, I did four, five months in jail and they said, you know, basically I'd get a year in jail or I'd go to treatment. And so I was like, send treatment all day. And uh, that was the uh, Operation Rio Grande. And it's actually worked out very well because, you know, I completed drug court and treatment, which was uh, conditions of my probation uh, to have my charges reduced. So I went to jail on a felony possession charge and uh, they reduced that down to like a class A. Class, I, they reduced it down to a misdemeanor so that I'm not a felon and all that. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically what Operation Rio Grande was. I think good let thing. me ask you, Ramsey, let, let me ask you a political question here. Uh, the ACLU has really uh, criticized Operation Rio Grande as being an unfair uh, treatment of people who were living down there on the street. And it was just uh, a police harassment it was a way way overreaction to what was going on down there what's your reaction to that so yeah I've, I've read their studies and you know how much money it spent and I you know I kind of stay up on that stuff and uh you know I I remember reading somewhere they're saying it was a war on the homeless and uh I won't totally disagree with that you know there was a lot of people who got wrapped up in the system that um I don't know. They didn't really. It, 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 yeah, it felt like harassment. I mean, even when we were down there, you know, the county would come through and clean up our camps. And granted, yeah, there's a lot of trash and all that stuff where they would just come through and take your crap. You know, uh, they're pretty ruthless. They take all your stuff. I remember one time I was asleep in a tent and I woke up to my tent being cut open and them telling me to get out and they threw away all my stuff. I mean, that happened about 10 different times. But uh, yeah, there was a. I, I felt like they, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard problem because there's so many people that uh, don't want to be homeless, but they get stuck in that cycle. And it's just, uh, uh, I mean, did it work overall? Uh, I know quite a few people that I was homeless with that um, made it out of, you know, addiction and are still doing very well right now. So uh, was it heavy handed? Yes. Was it needed? Yes. Is it better now? Uh, I would say most definitely, but um, it was a little heavy handed. I mean, there's a lot of people that came away with charges. I mean, I have a record right now where I have, you know, a, a few retail thefts. I think I have three retail thefts, but I have probably 10 charges of uh, trespassing, criminal trespassing, where I would get charged with sleeping on a sidewalk or sleeping in a gutter or just, you know, sleeping on just wherever because of uh, the problem that was going on down there. So it, it was definitely heavy handed, but uh, was it needed? Yeah, it's definitely better now. But they kind of, the situation just kind of spread. You know, you had everybody down there in one big fire and now there's, you know, a lot of fires all over the city they're trying to get put out. So it, it's a hard situation to handle. Um, I'm glad it's not my job. <laughs> For sure. What was, your, what was your addiction and was addiction the reason 
that you ended up down on the street? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I was a heroin meth addict. You know, I was shooting up, you know, daily. And it's kind of ironic because I hate needles. I really do. I, don't, I can't stand needles, but yet I was sticking myself with them multiple times a day. But uh, yeah, I was heroin and meth. Uh, I got started out with uh, dental work, you know, I got addicted to pills. And then I had a, a back injury and I got addicted to, uh, um, I was getting Opanas, which is uh, oxymorphone and uh, Roxycodone's Oxy30s. And I would take, and I got addicted to those. And then uh, I started selling those because uh, you could make quite a bit of money off it. And then uh, eventually led to just a heroin addiction once I got cut off from my doctor. So I went from pills to straight to heroin and I just lost, got divorced in the middle there and lost my business, lost my wife, lost my house and was literally made homeless from it. And uh, yeah. That's kind of the choice I made. And, and you know, I, I would, I kind of did, I wouldn't say I did it willingly, but I did it willingly. And uh, yeah, I'm living with that choice now. And, you know, I'm okay with that. A lot of people wonder uh, what, what is, what would have happened if you had, if, if they had not had Operation Rio Grande. And if you, I've, I've heard it described as legal leverage to get you either into treatment or, or you know, in, in staying in jail, I guess. Uh, what would have happened had that not happened? Would you still be out on the street, do you think? You know, I, I've thought about that many, many times because I, I remember the day I got arrested. I, I went to jail kicking and screaming. It would just be another time because, I mean, I, I, I went to jail probably, I don't know, 30 times where I was arrested you know, a bunch of times. And I thought it would just be another, you know, book and release. Maybe I'll do a month. Maybe I'll do two months, you know, something like that. So I knew they were cracking down on it. But once I got in there and I, and I got arraigned and all that, I realized that they weren't, they weren't letting me out. And my public defender said, yeah, this is a pretty serious charge and they're not messing around. So once I get out, I was like, all right, this is probably the time to get it. But I, I probably... I'd probably still be out there. It's a hard cycle of that addiction to break. It really is. And then without jail, I, I probably, I mean, I, I probably would have got sick enough of it or I would have died. It, it would have, it would have been an end to a means one way or the other. Also with that, like, let's, so there's a story that um, is really dear to my heart of Ramsey's and it paints a picture of when he was on the street, but also a relationship that has built now that he's in recovery. And it's the one with you and our friend Randy, and he's okay with us talking about this story, but let's be <laughs> real with the people that are listening, like what happened on the street and then what, how you guys are today. And through also Odyssey House, like let's, let's paint the picture of how growth can work as well, like if you didn't go through that. Okay, okay, yeah, good old uh, Randall, Randy Burton, that's my boy right there. He's a good um, so there was one time we, I was down on the, we called the block, which is pretty much fifth West and in between second and sorry, third, second and third South, third and fourth South, right there by the Portland Lou bathrooms that they put in. Um, I was down there hanging out with a bunch of the other guys just on the block. And, uh, one of my friends was, uh, I saw him walking around with this, there was this big white guy, big old buff dude walking around, a real clean cut guy. I saw my buddy walking around with him, and they were uh, they were doing a transaction. You know, they're basically doing a, a, a deal. 
drug deal and uh, my friend was trying to rip off randy so next thing i know in the middle of the street literally on fifth west right there i look over there and there's randy fighting my buddy and he gets my buddy his name was a uh, romeo he gets romeo in a headlock in the middle of the street in broad daylight there's people everywhere but this kind of thing happened down there all the time like it was it was it was madness and so I look over and he's got my buddy in a chokehold and he's like, give me back my shoes. He was trying to trade some shoes for some, some dope or whatever. And uh, that was, my, I didn't know Randy at all, you know, from anybody. So he's just some guy, but I knew Romeo, he was one of my buddies. And so I was like, I go over to him and he, Randy had him in the headlock and I was like, Hey, let go of my friend. And he's like, no, I'm not giving back your shoes. And I said, well, I have a knife, dude. If you don't let go, I'm going to stab you. And at that point in my life, you know, we were pretty crazy. And I, I was I was literally going to stab him if he didn't let go because I didn't know him. So eventually I pulled out the knife and he let go and Randy took off. Well, fast forward, I don't know, six months or so when I'm sitting in Odyssey House. I just barely got there. I may have been there two or three days. And all of a sudden I look up and here comes that same guy that I tried stabbing on the streets walking into Odyssey House. And he turns out to be my roommate and turns out to be one of my really good friends that I have to this day. And they so, kept they yeah. kept um, confusing each other too. They kept calling Ramsey Randy and vice versa. And now they're like the best yeah, of yeah. today. Yeah, his name's Randy Burton and my name's Ramsey Bryan. So in Odyssey House, you go by your last name. So, so I was Ramsey B and he's Randy B. And whenever we go somewhere together, he'd be like, hey, I'm Randy B. And then I say, hey, I'm Ramsey B. And a lot of people think when I say that, they think I say Randy. So everybody randy b and randy b so it's it was it was pretty funny let me let me ask you this you said in the beginning that it's taken you a year and a half to or it took you a year and a half to complete everything at odyssey uh people mm -hmm. who don't understand addiction or treatments or long-term residential treatment services might say my gosh that's a long time yeah absolutely it's uh i it, it is a long time so to be totally i mean perfectly transparent that was literally from the day Rachel picked me up until I graduated was a year and a half so I did inpatient residential treatment where I was living with everybody else uh, a little over a year maybe 13 months and then I did the Voyager program where I was in uh, my own apartment uh, thanks to Operation Rio Grande they got me into my apartment gave me a down payment and uh, were able to get me into a, where I live right now I live right above the gateway Ironically, I live in the apartment that I used to sleep in the uh, stairwell all the time. I literally lived right down where all this stuff was going on. So, um, yeah, I was in there a year and a half or year residential and then graduated. So it takes a minute to break that cycle. It really does. You know, there was a lot of people who got out of treatment early who thought they were ready and they all relapsed. A lot of them relapsed. So I think it's statistically proven the longer you're in treatment, the better your chances of long-term recovery are. There are a lot of studies that have proven that. And, you know, and, and one of the reluctance of just like if, if somebody would have told you when you first went in that you know, it's going to take that long, you might have said no. And we have a lot of people who probably leave when they're faced with, you know, with that kind of time frame. But mm -hmm. the way I look at it, I, I, I was like a, a functional alcoholic for several decades. And, and you don't just you can't just in, in 30 days or 60 days, you can't just turn around habits like that that you've been doing for years no absolutely it takes a it takes a minute to break the the physical addiction is one thing but it's really the uh the mental and the emotional that you have to work on 
and uh, realize, I remember this thing a lot, and it's just said a lot in the, you know, the groups we would have at Odyssey House is that, you know, it's one thing to uh, physically break yourself of it, but then it's another thing to uh, live life as a, you know, not a functioning addict, but just learning how to live life over again, live life sober, you know, so the sober life is okay. And that takes a minute. It really does that you don't have to have a vice. You don't have to have a drink or a shot or smoke weed or something just to get by. I mean, that takes a minute to, to rebuild that mentality. When, one of the problems I had was uh, it, I didn't think I could have fun anymore if mm -hmm. I wasn't drinking. And, 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 you know, somebody who might not have dealt with any kind of addiction would have trouble understanding that. But, but for, I think for a lot of us, that's what we equated with fun. This is how I can have a good time with other people is to be high. And so to readjust to that, you know, it, it takes some time. How'd you do that? Uh, that, that took a minute. I mean, it's, it, it seriously took a minute to, uh, cause yeah, when you go to these parties or wherever there's people, you know, doing whatever they do and that's just not, it's, it's so readily available and especially alcohol, you know, it's so in your face, you know, you go everywhere, people are drinking, you know, you go to the liquor store, there's beer at 7-Eleven, there's all that stuff. And then you go to a party, there's people smoking weed or doing whatever in the bathrooms and all that stuff. So it, it takes a minute to uh, to break yourself of that cycle to realize that you can live a sober life and still have a good time. Uh, I mean, it's 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 an everyday it's an everyday battle. You know, sobriety is so fragile. You go around and I see this at the gym all the time. Like you see people that come in and they're they're killing it at first. You know, they might be there. You see people for maybe a month, maybe three months or something. Then all of a sudden they just they disappear. And you're like, oh, what happened to him or what happened to her? And you hear maybe they went out. And then this just happened the other day. I saw somebody who was in uh, our nutrition class who was cooking food with us. And I hadn't seen her for a year and a half. And she went out and had a, you know, another relapse. And she just barely came back. And I was wondering what happened to her. But that stuff happens all the time. It's, uh, it's very, sobriety is very fragile. And what do you do for your sobriety today? Like, how do you maintain yours? And you recently became a new dad. Yeah. So tell yeah, us about I, that. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I have, a, I have a little son. Uh, he's about 15, 15 months old right now. Yeah, right about there. Um, uh, it's funny, I, he's, he's funny. So I have a 14-year-old and, uh, and about a 14, 14, 15 month old. So, you know, I like to wait 15 years between kids for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I, I don't, it, my kids are funny. My, I catch my, my 14 year old son checking me all the time. You know, I, I was talking trash about my brother the other day because he, he made me mad. And my son's like, hey, that's your brother, dad. You shouldn't talk about him like that. And I was like, dang kid, you're right. You know, it was a, uh, it's funny. And my, my, uh, Ezra's his name, my 14 month old, he, he's super funny. He likes to dance. He's just, uh, he's a bundle of joy. Little things in life to keep me, uh, just to keep me sober. You know, it's just a, like you're talking about consistency. I try to stay consistent, you know, I go to the gym, I get up every day. I make my bed, I go to work, you know, uh, FTR is honestly my life. You know, I, I go there for, I get in six classes, four days a week. I take time off and uh, I just, I just live life, man. I'm, I'm happy to be alive and it's a, it's a good thing. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this the other day too. I felt like uh, having to go through all that homelessness and those struggles. And uh, I felt like all that stuff made me a better person. And I truly, truly believe it did. How so? 
So, you know, I would say before, uh, before my homelessness, you know, you don't really look at, you see that guy on the corner with the sign, or you see the dude begging for food outside of Starbucks or change or whatever. And people look at those people and kind of judge them. You know, they're like, Oh, this guy, he's whatever, you know, whatever, you know, your mentality is on that. And then once you, once you actually go through it, and you're, you're that guy asking for money out in front of Starbucks or having to do whatever to get by. And, and you see the, you see the way people treat you, you make that eye contact with people and you can see how they look at you. I've felt that way many times. I've, you know, I've eaten out of dumpsters. I've slept behind them. I've slept in gutters. I've li- I lived under a bridge for a year, you know? Um, I know how it is to go through that struggle and it's uh it's made me a better person for it. It's made me more sympathetic. It's made me love life more. It's made me uh, happy to get up every day. When, uh, one of the things that's important, I think, for people to stay in recovery is to be around other people in recovery. And it's a very strong community uh, here, in, here in Utah, I presume, around the country. Uh, you and Rachel, like... It, what you, I'm curious, like when Rachel came to pick you up at the jail, because I picked up people at the jail too. You go into that back door and you guys come out and you know, you're going to Odyssey House and it's like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? So what did, Rachel, what did you think about Ramsey? And Ramsey, what did you think about Rachel when the, when the first pickup happened? Well, let Ramsey go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, honestly... Winter in jail, man, and it's a uh, it's a pretty lonely place. And you do, like I said, four or five months, whatever. I work in the kitchen because it's so boring in there. You're just literally, uh, if you're in minimum, you're not locked down all day. You get out like eight hours a day, so you can you you can do stuff. But it's a it's a lonely place. Isolation is definitely a a hard thing. So once you get, you know, once they offered me treatment, I was like, yeah, send it. I don't care where you send me. You know, I'll go whatever, wherever you want me to go, let's go. And I was just of the mentality at the time that I'll, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it through whatever treatment, you know, cause uh, I was ready to get sober. Once I got my mind clear, I was ready to get sober. And uh, yeah. And then Rachel picked me up to me at Odyssey house. And uh, I didn't know what I was in for. I'd heard rumors, Odyssey house, this Odyssey house, that. And then once Rachel picked me up, I was like, all right, she seems cool. So this program must be pretty cool. So let's see what happens. <laughs> Very safe answer, Ramsey. I like it. <laughs> what about you, we'll go, Rach? We'll go with that. Ramsey was really quiet. It was actually more when I was teaching Odyssey House classes um, at FTR that Ramsey and I really started connecting. And how, it was during how, those times. How important do you think it is to hang around like like at FTR or, or Odyssey grads or or, or any other USARA or anything like that? How important do you think it is to have a, a community of recovering people? Uh, I think it's, it's paramount to recovery. It absolutely is. Uh, I, use, I use FTR and the connections through there um, to help pay my sobriety. sobriety. In fact, honestly, uh, I, my lease is up apartment and I'm moving in with the Colby and Sam and Christina, we're going to get a place up by up in Mill Creek in the next couple months. 
So I like to stay around those people. Um, I use FTRs physical to help keep my mental straight. You know, I have a bad day at work. I have a rough day, whatever. I can go to FTR, get some connection, uh, laugh, be authentic and genuine with the people there and uh, just get it out. And then it gets me ready for the next day. So it's, uh, it's, I'm certainly glad FTRs around. Rachel, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, you, you know, the, the, we're lucky because we get to work at Odyssey House. So we are, we're around people in recovery all the time, which helps me in my recovery. I presume you as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was thinking when we were talking about the timeframes, I'm like, wait a second. It's been nine years and I still can't get away from Odyssey. Like I choose still not to get away from Odyssey. So um, it's, I think it's fundamental to my sobriety and I'm lucky. I, I don't just put all my eggs in one basket because I feel like um, life has a lot of diversity and is very situational. And so if I have several different outlets and different types of connections, then it keeps me safer. So I do have my FTR and I do have my Odyssey and I do have my meetings. Right. Um, and so there, there's a lot of different I don't want to just think that one thing is just going to save me or that I'm ever going to be cured. And so sometimes I just need that banana. Like while I'm in school right now, Ramsey's helped me with a really big school project. And sometimes when I go in on Saturday, I'm so tired and I didn't have time to eat. And so he gives me a banana. Like it, it really actually has a lot deeper meaning. It sounds funny. but You have no idea how much it saved me at times. And so it's just needed. We can just be as we are. And then I can go to work and I get that same respect and support in the same aspect. And so it, I don't, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have it. I know that. Recovery is possible. And if you've just finished watching this podcast, uh, which went by, the 30 minutes went by very quickly. Uh, it, and we all seem like happy people. So it's not a dismal thing that we're all in recovery. <laughs> Uh, a final thought, Ramsey. Um, you know, if you're if you're going through recovery or you're just starting out on this journey, um, I found, at least in my experience, once you uh, once you get sober and you start really living a, I, I say an authentic, honest life, uh, life kind of happens organically. So give it a shot, and uh, you can live a sober, happy, fun life. Some good words of advice, Rachel. Any final thought? Yeah, thank you for being here, Ramsey. You're truly one of a kind, and I'm so <laughs> proud of you. And don't forget the bananas tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm actually not going to be there. I have to work. That's it. We're not posting this podcast. Oh, and also, um, happy Memorial Day. Um, honor those who have served. That's a message. This this will be posted after Memorial Day, but it makes sense, too. Yeah, I hope you honored makes the sense people who have served. And, and uh, wow, Ramsey's not going to be there with coffee or bananas tomorrow. Take it all back, like everything I said at the beginning. Right, right. <laughs> okay, well, bring the following week, bring double bananas and coffee, okay? Or Ramsey? Grubhub, right? Do they Grubhub bananas? Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you, Ramsey. There's a way, a there's a way. Thank you for being a guest. You've been a wonderful <laughs> guest, and I hope you inspire some other people to seek recovery because it does work. Thanks, and thank you for watching Odyssey House Journals.